So if you've watched Big Little Lies, you know that this show deals extensively with rape and sexual assault. If these are things that are triggering to you, this is probably not a podcast that you want to listen to. Podcast episode six. Um, I'm Teresa and I'm a Jane slash Bonnie. I'm Rebecca and I'm a Jane slash Madeline. I am Carolyn and I am a Madeline slash Renata. Uh, <laughs> she's getting a little too happy about this after a couple of glasses of wine. Um, we're going to give out our customary spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the entire season, you don't want to listen to this, go back, watch it, come back later. And today's recap is coming from Carolyn. Okay. So this episode opens with Jane being pulled over, uh, which makes you nervous because she went with the possible intent of murder, has a gun, and is driving while smoking pot. So you just know, like, shit is about to get real. Uh, Perry is going out of town again, which is the best thing that he does, and he is trying to get Celeste to go with him, which would mean her missing the opening night of Madeline's amazingly triumphant community theater production. Celeste stands up to him on this because the therapy is finally starting to work, and her aggressive therapist is actually pushing her to prep a life beyond Perry so she can leave, even if she isn't ready emotionally, but... She is ready to beat Perry off of her with a tennis racket when he gets aggressively amorous. Uh, Jane pulls up to school and that fucking cardigan-wearing teacher again accosts her to tell her about a petition that has been started to keep Ziggy out of schools. This town is just not happy unless a petition is circulating. Uh, Jane flies off and attacks Renata on school grounds and gouges her eye causing Renata to have to wear an eye patch, which is amazing. Um, but then uh, Jane shows that he, she is truly potentially the most together woman in this town because she goes and has a calm conversation with Renata. And uh, then the whole town shows up for the premiere of the Dirty Community Theater puppet play, and that's a veritable who's who on opening night, except for Celeste, who we find out had to miss because she... Uh, caused Perry a broken urethra in the tennis racket beating she gave him. Uh, Ed and Madeline assume when they find out about this that it was from a sex accident, and then they mope and bicker about the fact that their sex life is not as exciting because she's not causing that kind of injury upon him. Uh, the secret project that we keep hearing about that Abby is working on to get into college is revealed, and it is a fucking law and order worthy... Uh, doozy. She's auctioning off her virginity on the internet for charity and this, uh, when Madeline finds out about this, she pukes, as a mother would. Um, also Celeste begins looking for an apartment to secretly move into to, as she preps to move away from Perry. So that's this episode in a nutshell. So... Nailed it. <laughs> I want to jump into a little segment that I want to call how can I control the let me count the ways? Because I feel like this show does a really great job of like showing all the ways Perry tries to manipulate Celeste and control her. Like in the last episode, it was like get pregnant instead of having anything that looks like a career. And in this one, you know, he's going out of town. He guilt, he tries to get her to come and she says, I can't, I can't miss my friend's show. 
and then he tries to make her feel bad and she stands up and she doesn't just stand up she points out the way he's manipulating her she's like you're the one who's leaving but i'm the one who's disappointing you here in some some way and i just want to discuss like how good this show is at showing us the reality of an abuser mm -hmm. yeah i mean it, it's hard to watch because mm -hmm. it is so accurate i mean I think we've all had shades in our lives in one way or another of dealing, whether it's emotional or physical, we've, or seen people that have dealt with this. And this show does such a magnificent job of dramatizing that without it being exploitive. It feels really earnest and poignant and painful. I mean, these scenes towards the end are some of the hardest. You know, this is someone who's binged Game of Thrones four or five times. Yeah. And this show, punch for punch, mm -hmm. hurts more. It is such a human pain that these characters are going through. I because think. this violence is real. This yeah. is not like a fantasy land. No, well, I mean, like these dragons. homes, these lives of these women does seem like a fantasy, but it shows you that behind these closed doors of things that can look like perfection or someone who, like Celeste, whose life and every, every ounce of her being seems perfect, that there are just these like dark undertones going on that you may not know about. So it does make you aware and make you think that maybe those people in your life that you know, who you think they have this perfect life, they mm -hmm. could be suffering this kind of abuse. Um, and I think that that is a really powerful thing that this show does. Like, it, it really, it made me think, like, how do I know somebody going through something like this? Mm -hmm. And that you wouldn't know. Because Celeste, if you only saw the Celeste without these scenes of abuse... Mm -hmm. What would you think of Celeste? Out of all these women, she's got her life together the exactly. most. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about Penis Gate for <laughs> this fucking Broke his dick in not one but two places. <laughs> yeah. That's the best I felt watching this whole show. And, like, I completely forgot that we get, like, a little quick shot of, like, part of Perry's dick in this episode. Like, oh, yeah. Like he what? They're, they're, I fucking missed this. They're in the closet. Are you kidding me? No, just a hot second. Yeah, and it's, it's not, not like the, it's not like the tip. It's like some mid shaft point where you're like, he's like talking about how hot she is, and he wants to like. Do oh, and he's like a he's like when he's, he's like whipping it out. It out. And yeah, like, yeah. Oh. And then, like she just looks over like, oh god, and tries to walk away, and then he tries to grab her, and that's when she grabs the tennis racket and beats his dick. She literally. I, mean, I was away. so fixated by so many other aspects of it. Like I was so. I, I was so excited for her that she did this. Mm -hmm. I like missed the dick because I was so I was like yes finally. And also I was like where the fuck did this tennis racket come from? Yeah, because they're like they're in well, there. There was that he missed tennis the other day because mm -hmm. he stayed around to have sex with her. So like right, tennis so he just, it was like Chekhov's tennis racket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget the gun. Forget the gun. Chekhov's tennis racket. Um, gotta watch out for those Chekhov tennis rackets. It's a great band name. Yeah. yeah. When they get back from the hospital, you know, he tells the babysitter kind of aggressively that she should leave. And then, like, when everybody's out of the room, he's like, you're lucky I didn't kill you. Yeah. And it's just like, get out, girl. Like, this is the moment. Like, do not come back. Like, yeah. he's now telling you. That is a full-on, like, threat. And to Celeste's credit, she turns around and goes, what did you say to me? Which is like a new Celeste. Like the right. old Celeste in season, in episode one would have just, and I say season because it really does feel like she's gone through seven seasons of growth in yeah. six episodes. Like, I've been saying this since the beginning. Like this, this, this show is like Celeste. Reclamation, yeah. 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 
Um, so we also get the girl fight we've been waiting for when Jane barely touches Renata, but she flops to the ground like a soccer player and somehow ends up with an eye patch. Like, I don't even understand what happened. Did she poke her in the eye? Did she punch her? Like, you can't even I agree. Tell. I mean, like, I, this is, so, yes. How did we get through, uh, six episodes, or like five episodes, to episode six before we had, like, girl-on-girl fight action? Mm-hmm. Because this is a feminist show. Yeah. And they don't right. do the, like, they girls slapping want, each other But it face. still seems Come impressive that they made it this far. Like, yeah. that without somebody, like, gouging somebody else's eyes out with their manicured nails. Um, <laughs> but this was... Yeah, Jane, I, I mean... The, Jane the, has I, every reason to snap at this point. Jane yes. has been pushed well past her Exactly, limits. for sure. And Renata appearing with her eye patch is terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it just, it's Renata drama at its finest. Yeah, it, I mean, she just flops to the ground. Like, first of all, she barely, even if you got poked in the eye, why are you falling on the ground? Like... She barely touched her. It's hilarious. She's taking yeah. cues from the kids. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that is a classic little four-year-old move. It's like, oh, they hit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised she didn't get, like, a matching little eye patch for Amabella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would have made Amabella way cooler. Um, and covered up one of her vacant eyes. Yeah. Maybe makes her less creepy. <laughs> yeah, she's only 50% vacant now. But, so then Jane regains her sanity and goes to apologize, and Renata really gracious graciously accepts with almost no hesitation and jane says the most human empathetic thing that like happens in this entire show which is she says i understand and completely empathize with what you're going through like it's the exact same thing that i'm going through with ziggy and also she has gone through as a victim Mm -hmm. of a violent crime right and so like you know, it's just like, oh, this is what happens when people talk like humans and Madeline's not around to stir shit up. Yeah. yeah. And I think, but I think at this point in the show, like, we need to, because of knowing what happens in literally the next episode, it's like, this to me felt like kind of this, like, scripted way that we're going to all kind of get these ladies mm-hmm. lined up on the same page here. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to help. They're, they're starting to... And then in a lineup. <laughs> Literally in a lineup, yes. And they're starting... They're they're coming together because they're realizing sort of uh, that they, they need each other. And I, I think Renata... I, it's almost like that they're tired of bickering at this point. And as the audience, we're kind of tired of this. Exactly. The stakes are so high across the board for so many characters and to continue to see these women act like kind of bitches to each other when they should exactly. be teaming like up. Exactly. This is a feminist show. Bring down the patriarchy. Right. We're so close. This is a feminist show and we're gonna like, we're gonna, we've, we've gotten all these nice like... But it gets like, you hype. Like you really start getting excited. You're like, you can see the pieces coming together. You can mm-hmm. see the alliances being formed. You can see Perry's world crumbling. There we mm-hmm. go. The wine is happening. Yeah. Well, this is the moment. I think this episode is where we go from like a Real Housewives, mm-hmm. like a scripted Real Housewives show, mm-hmm. um, to getting this to the point where we're and coming it, into a real and it takes like Jane feminist dramatic to piece. do it because she yeah. is the outsider who is like, what is this nonsense that all these rich ladies are arguing about all the time? Like mm-hmm. this doesn't make sense. Like I'm just gonna go talk to this person like a person, and when she does that. 
Renata is totally receptive to it. Like, yeah. Because I think she catches Renata off guard. I think Renata is so used to the Madelines of the world mm-hmm. that are, you know, have an agenda and are really good mm-hmm. at talking and spinning. And for Jane just to come to her house, which mm-hmm. is unprecedented, and look her in the eye and say, I empathize with you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry this is happening, but I promise you, I know in my soul this is not my son. And she says, I'm as sure as any parent yeah. can be that it's not my son. Yeah. But I don't know yeah. how to prove that to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, she makes Renata an ally, and this is yeah. the first time Renata's had somebody saying, "Okay, instead of me coming at you, I'm going to come with you." Like, how as parents do we figure this mm-hmm. out together? Yeah, mm-hmm. and Renata has had everybody coming at her for this entire mm-hmm. season, and Jane is the first person to look her in the eye and be like, "I see you. Mm-hmm. I feel your pain. I understand where you're coming from." Like that old parenting thing where you're like, "I hear you, yes. Billy. You have a talking <laughs> stick. I understand." Yeah, but like she really, and for Jane being the youngest person in this group like she really has the most wisdom to realize at first as a parent I mean she's a wonderful parent I think it's in the episode before she explains sex to Ziggy in this like anatomically correct way without using euphemisms it's very honest but also without being graphic mm-hmm. Jane has her instincts as a she mother. doesn't have pretension no she's There's just a person trying to figure she's, this all she's out. void of that which is what gets in the way of a lot of these other women but I think it's got to be refreshing for these other women like they're realizing yeah. like this is a person that's coming at us without pretense without you know fake eyelashes and a full face like she's just a, a confused young mother trying to figure this out and they all have to be on the same page if they're going to parent. She says later in the episode it takes a village and mm-hmm. I think that there is that's an overarching theme of this show Yeah, is that you just can't deal with children on your own. Like it has to be a community raising children. So Sad Sack Ed is back oh. in this in Wowie this episode. Zowie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's envious of Perry's broken urethra and he says... <laughs> He says, neither of us is in remote danger of physical injury in reference to their sex life. And um, Madeline starts crying and he and starts saying that she's been a good wife. And I, I believe he says to her, like, don't say it. As in, he knows like she that. has cheated on him, but he doesn't want her to say it because then... Do you agree? Because, like, saying it makes it real. Right. Yeah, I did get the sense that he, like, knows. I mean, I don't, it doesn't really have much of a life. Does he really have any friends beyond this? Like, like yeah, and, like, she does spend a lot of time with that guy. Like, I think he had to suspect something, especially Mm -hmm. when they were in, like, the car accident together. Like, he's not. He's not a stupid man. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just a stupid man. So <laughs> so much of this show that I do not remember from my first watch because I I was watching it as it came out. I had a lot going on at the mm-hmm. time, and I absolutely thought that the affair had been divulged in the mm-hmm. show. And watching it back, I kept waiting for that scene. And well, I guess it's because Ed really does seem like he knows. It was divulged to she divulged it to Celeste and to her yes. daughter Abby. But I thought that there was going to be like a big. I, I, I had, like, you, concocted this memory that she and Tori exposes her in the hospital. I even thought it happened after the car accident, and I literally written in my notes before the whole episode finished, I'm like, what a shitty way to have your expo- affair exposed, thinking mm-hmm. that that all came out then. And I realized now that that was just... It, there was so much telegraphing with Ed's behavior, that Ed was a lot Yeah, but, smarter. like, Ed and Madeline, like, whining about their sex, like, not being exciting enough or dangerous mm-hmm. enough... Was, I mean, it's just such a crazy juxtaposition to the fact that, like, this injury did not 
Perry's injury didn't happen during sex. It happened while Celeste was like beating him right. off of her to prevent him from having Parents' baby. They all right, think exactly. Like, oh, sex. He's like, how does that even happen? Yeah. It's like it doesn't. It, it, it you doesn't. can't break your dick in two places from sex, buddy. Like that's not yeah, a thing. Yeah, that it's just it's just crazy that they're so naive to that and that they think that this could be what is what what is happening over there and it's like this grass is always greener yeah. thing. I also think, though, as sad as Ed is in this episode, he, he has one of his better moments where he's talking about, like, you know, I, I'm a winner here. I get to wake up next to the girl yeah. of my dreams every day, and but sometimes I feel like the loser. And this is one of the moments where I just, like, I feel for Ed, yeah. and I'm like, he could he be less creepy if he was just more fulfilled in his marriage? Like, what? Maybe. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's yeah. going on. Maybe. I mean, I, I will say that, like, the last two episodes, the character of Ed becomes, uh, you, 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 I, you start to see him in a slightly different light here mm -hmm. with, but, and, and I, I think Madeline is a very difficult, difficult person to live with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you have to give him credit for being so in love with her that she's his one and, you know, all this other stuff. But, I mean, he's just pathetic. So my theory about the affair is it's got less to do with Ed and Madeline and more to do with Madeline and, I'm saying Madeline, Madeline, mm -hmm. and uh, Abigail. Because this is the first bonding these two yeah. go through. Madeline confesses her affair to Abigail, mm -hmm. and you can literally watch their dynamic change mm -hmm. from mother-daughter to, you know, everyone's adult relationship with their mother, which mm -hmm. eventually, if you have a good relationship with your mother, revolves into friend-friend. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the whole reason this affair exists, is not to undermine Madeline's happiness, because I think you could have accomplished that with her clear, you know, lying still for Nathan, and, mm -hmm. like, you know, she brings up Nathan all the time. And I don't think the affair was necessarily that important if it wasn't going to be the catalyst for her and Abigail to kind of, like, see each other as real people. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we can all think back in that moment when we first looked at our mother as a person mm -hmm. and that shift from, like, this is the authority figure to, like, this is just a person trying to figure out their life just like I am. Mm -hmm. I did think that that was such a powerful moment that that – and that's what gets Abby to – rethink her project yeah. and, and not kind Bonnie. and and it's rethink Madeline. what her choices that she's making because her mother comes forward with information that does that not that humanizes herself yep. Madeline gives makes herself a human um and like a fallible human and then you and this have is the first person she truly confesses the full affair mm -hmm. to exactly and it's her Teenage shit of a daughter. Yeah. Like, that's it's, some... it's in theory, it's poor parenting. Yeah. Like it's very right. it's it's but it's risky. Like, what's yeah. to stop Abigail from turning around with all of this spite and vendetta yeah. and exposing her? She's mm -hmm. putting a lot of trust, and that's why I almost think Madeline is the better parent than anyone mm -hmm. else because she realizes if she entrusts Abigail mm -hmm. with this information, that's going to be a bonding experience. And them. it puts sex in a different light yeah. for uh, for Abby to kind of see that like. You know, it, if you're committing to this kind of physical relationship, like there are consequences, and it's not, it's not always gonna turn out well. It's yeah. not always gonna be, uh, be be 
pretty and, and it's not like her concept of auctioning off her virginity for money for charity is such a it seems like noble mm-hmm. but it is she really, has no concept she has no concepts gonna be like a exactly noble thing. i know i mean she is inevitably gonna get some like 65 year old like disgusting there, are, there was literally a law shipping there was literally like a law and order svu episode about shit like that oh. so yeah i'm pretty sure or at least like probably like over the, you know, I'm gazillion sure years that is on. I'm sure they've recycled that. But it just, it it really is, um, you know, it, it's, I think that, like, it's somebody like Bonnie's influence that caused Abby to think, like, something like that could be cool. cool. But it's and Madeline's influence that gets her to realize, to like, see obviously it. this is yeah. foolish. And that's why I think Madeline ultimately is far more mature and evolved mm-hmm. than Bonnie, despite Bonnie's protestations mm-hmm. in the country Bonnie is still like a young person because remember Bonnie is the life. one who knew about the project first and Bonnie can't um remove herself like she can't like when Nathan's freaking out when they first find out Bonnie's still like you know it's admirable that she wants mm-hmm. to do this and it's like no you just need to put this fucking kid on lockdown before she sells her virginity on to eBay a on Romanian shipping yeah method. like this is bonkers like you need to, like, stop with the, like, super touchy-feely like, bullshit and be a parent for a minute. This is Bonnie's immaturity on display, and I think that mm-hmm. Bonnie is still so young compared to everyone mm-hmm. else. She's got this idealism that none of the other characters have. Life hasn't really, like, shit on Bonnie yet. Like, Bonnie yeah. really hasn't dealt with, it seems like, except, you know, there are some implications in the finale that Bonnie has been through some shit yeah. that we might not know about. Mm-hmm. But at this point in episode six, our knowledge of Bonnie is that, like, her life is pretty nice. Like, mm-hmm. she's not got a lot of trauma going on. She also doesn't have a lot of worldliness. And for Madeline, as the older figure, to kind of step in and be like, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I'm going to puke all over this dinner table in <laughs> horror, and then I'm going to go and have a really honest conversation with my daughter. And Madeline could have reacted the mm-hmm. absolute opposite way to Abigail and been like, fuck you, you're on lockdown, you're mm-hmm. never going to see a computer again, mm-hmm. like, I'm putting you in a hole and hiding the key. Well, and this was the amazing... Like, there were so many episodes building up to this dinner party that were like, oh, this is going to be so mm-hmm. awkward. And then, of course, like, she just, she just pukes on the table, so. Oh, so while we're on the topic of Abby's secret project and her virginity uh, auction, like, what is with this plot line? It just seems so unnecessary. It comes and goes so quickly. Yeah. Like, what was the point? It's silly even for this show. Yeah. I mean, I literally wrote, absurdly silly even for this show. Yeah. Because it just, it seems like a bridge too far. Because Abigail is clearly unstable and searching for attention in any way, like any 17-year-old would do. But auctioning off your virginity for Amnesty International, like, Really quick. I think it was just another way of having us look at sex and Mm -hmm. how women approach sex and feel about sex and Mm -hmm. And woke sex. Like, if I'm going to have sex, I'm going to have it go for a good cause. Mm -hmm. Because if any, you know, she keeps saying, like, if any girl in Cambodia did this, nobody would bat an eye. But because I'm a rich white girl, like, people don't care. And then her whole, like, catharsis is, well, I realize now it would be more about the statement than the cause. I'm like, no shit, Abigail. Like, welcome to the real world. (laughs) Yeah. Um, let's talk about the dinner just in general for a minute. So, first of all, I want to know if 
confusing Sade for Adele is just an unforgivable sin. Like, I mean, Bonnie, I love this music. Is this Adele? Yeah. It's like, just the best. I, I just feel like it's another example of Madeline being like somehow behind the times. And basic. Like, yeah, and how is Chloe fun. this woke about music if your yeah. own mother thinks anybody with an ounce of soul is Adele? Right. Who is a white woman. There have been, like, several instances where Madeline has said or done something, or it's just these little, like, glimmers where you're like, what the hell, Madeline? Yeah. Like, yeah. how old are you? Are you secretly 70? Yeah. Like, you know. She's just also, white, like, Carolyn. Like, <laughs> shot a, like, she's old enough. She's probably, what, a little bit older than you and I, Carolyn? Uh, like so, 40s. I mean, in real life, yeah. no. She's, she's like, 10 years older. But in this episode, I mean, in the show, you think she's mid-40s? I think she's supposed to be, like, mid to late 40s, yeah. When I was Matt a kid. Madeline? Yeah. Yes. Okay. When I was a kid in the 80s, Sade's Smooth Operator was, right. like, one of my favorite songs. Like, I tell you, I've never heard of Shade before this show. Oh, really? yeah. It's like sexy, yeah. sexy time music. Yeah, yeah. very sexy um, music. Yeah, but mm-hmm. for sure, like, you would never mistake for, you would never mistake her for Adele. Like, no, not at all. No. Maybe, you know. Such a good line. I, 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 don't, I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, it, not, is, it is a perfect little line that just encapsulates Madeline versus Bonnie, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like. Bonnie is cool as fuck, and Madeline is basic as shit. And like, like if you had a little match yeah. game, and you had yeah. the pictures of those characters, and then had yeah. like Sade and Adele, and you're like, who listens to what? You yeah. can easily draw <laughs> yeah. those lines yeah. to that. Yeah, uh, it definitely is a nice little. It's a nice little touch. So uh, the other thing I have here, which I feel like we might uh, exclude Rebecca on this conversation a little bit, because as we learned earlier, she's never seen an episode of the Gilmore Girls, which is upsetting to me. It is a personal affront to me. I but, do feel um, like I betrayed you personally. I was so worried to admit that. I was like, oh no. But, um, so Madeline is full on Emily Gilmoreing the shit out of Bonnie's house. She is complimenting everything while also completely judging. Throwing shade. Yes. Oh, I love these little yes. wine. What are these little, little ceramic mugs? Yes. So the, oh, bad. the wine glasses. Ed really prefers more of a traditional wine glass for wine. I was like, yeah. oh. And Madeline. he's like, I really, I drink beer. I don't know. What yeah. Drinking, yeah. 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 That like, was crazy when <laughs> she's like trying to act like Ed is the one and yeah. I was like no Ed wouldn't know what kind of wine glass to pour red or white wine into if his life depended on it like exactly. let's be honest and let's all just put our wine in a sweet ass mug from now on we're gonna have to like throw our own pottery for the second epi- second season of actually this show. the second season is gonna exclusively take place in a ceramic studio <laughs> yeah. as we throw yeah. artisanal wine glasses oh my god! then you can buy from us for the low low cost of right we're gonna be setting up an Etsy shop just for these ceramic wine glasses because they're going to be the new thing. I mean, it is so... Big little decanters. (laughs) (laughs) It is so Bonnie to have those glasses. I mean, she makes jewelry. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys... Outside on a picnic table, do you know how easy it is to lose a bead while you're making jewelry? Well, no, because I've never never made jewelry in my life. I mean, maybe as a child, I think I like beaded something with my name on it at Mm -hmm. like seven, but... The Bonnie, if you watch Portlandia, mm-hmm. there was this amazing sketch where there was this song about she makes jewelry now, she's getting her life together. <laughs> and when that scene with Bonnie sitting there outside in her little, like, you know, 
uh, chef garden that where she's growing her own basil to make pesto right. with, and she's sitting there making Listen, this jewelry. Listen, bitch, I love a garden. You stop talking shit. I also happen to know that you have a garden outside. So For sure, I do. You don't grow For sure, I everyone do. Everyone loves a garden. You have to be a psycho not to. But my favorite is Bonnie's gardening, and she looks up at Nathan and goes. We just have to help things grow and evolve. Oh. And like my passive aggressive queen has come in hot. Like she's See, gardening and she's also throwing all the shade. That's yeah. what I don't like about her. And right, that's because the she's messy oh, no, but it, doesn't own it. It is what I love about her because she is just like, listen, bitch, I'm not gonna like fight with you about this, but you're a mess and like I'm gonna tell you, but I'm not gonna fight with you about it. Like I'm not gonna go full on like nuclear the way um Madeline. This is the episode that both affirms all the things I dislike about Bonnie mm-hmm. and makes me like her mm-hmm. for the first time. Like, you know what? She is, you know, kind of passive-aggressive, but she also seems to be having a lot of fun with mm-hmm. this whole situation in a way I that I feel like she's the kind are. of person I would be friends with, but also kind of be hey, like, hey, yes. Because, mm-hmm. like, you go to their house and it's like they've made their own pottery dinnerware. Yeah. <laughs> they She makes jewelry. and she it's like, made oh, She's the equivalent of a hate fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. You're just kind of... Uh, I don't want to like, like this, but I do. It's I exhausting it. how much she seems to put into things. As much... And it's funny because I said how, like, she, unlike the other women, isn't putting that time into herself. Mm-hmm. She's putting it into, like, making pottery and jewelry in her mm-hmm. garden, which, like, should be celebratory things that I mm-hmm. should be like, oh, I really like that she's doing something productive. But somehow at the same she's time. She's being creative. Yeah. At the same time, though, all of that effort for all of those things is, like, it kind of, she has the same end game. She has the like, lowest stakes of any mm-hmm. of these women. Well, like, yeah. It, it, as far as we know. There is some implication, as we've said, that there is probably more to Bonnie than the show mm-hmm. is let on at this point, and Bonnie has probably undergone some trauma that we don't know at this moment. But <laughs> Bonnie does, you know, her, like, sweet world of yoga and pottery and all that, compared to, like, Celeste is literally going to be killed by her husband if she doesn't get out. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to empathize with Bonnie when you've got such high stakes for the other women. So, my favorite quote from this episode is um, one of the talking heads talking about Harper, who is Renata's friend, Renata's best friend, as she tells us in the first episode. And they say, Harper was so far up Renata's ass, she could have chewed chewed her food for her. And I was just like, that is disgusting and true. That was also my favorite quote. That Harper woman, I really like. And I like that her name is Harper. Yeah. Yeah. At first I was like, is it Harper or is it Harbor, which is so much worse. Yeah. No, it's Harper. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, it has that connotation to Mm -hmm. it. Um, This is perfect because my favorite quote was Jane throwing the ultimate shade at Harper mm -hmm. when she's walking away. Mm -hmm. And she's, at this point, allied with Renata and Harper doesn't know this yet. And Harper is being a bitch and Jane basically calls out the petition debacle mm-hmm. and she's getting in her car and she goes looks at Harper and goes it takes a village mm-hmm. we've got to have each other's backs right who's got yours yeah and they get to the car and Harper is shook and that was like Jane is learning mm-hmm. Jane is you know re- retained her purity but she is learning from Madeline well oh. you have to oh things are getting wine glasses are being bumped. Yep. just you wait for episode seven yeah. baby we're, yeah. we're fired up now um okay rapid fire which kid is the creepiest the twin who doesn't believe in the tooth fairy and is ruining it for his brother. Mm-hmm. Celeste, had they, like, one of her twins loses a tooth and, like, she's, you know, looking in his mouth and is like, oh, should we put it under the pillow for the tooth fairy? And it the was the good twin, too, that mm-hmm. lost the tooth and it was the bad twin, Max. Oh, see, I can't. Max, I still, 
lost the tooth. He had a wiggly tooth in the seventh episode. And she goes, is it your turn now? Because that's the only cue oh. I had because they have no names. They yeah. don't refer to the twins. That's why I just names. keep calling them as the twin. But anyway, yeah. there's one twin who was like, the tooth fairy doesn't exist. Well, it's Max, the abusive twin. So well, there you there go. go. See, only an abuser is a six-year-old who doesn't believe in the yep. tooth fairy. Red flag. Yeah. Your cat is trying to eat the tulips outside oh, the door. Sh- yeah, shit, that's not going to be good. My roommate is going to see that as an act of terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I said Sky this episode because this is really the only scene we see with Sky in any meaningful interaction, and she just has like a full meltdown. And granted, it's because everybody's fighting and right. it's super sad and stressful, but like I do think it's kind of cheap to have Sky's mm-hmm. only meaningful scene be her having like this epic, scream sad fest. scream. Yeah. Um, I went for Abigail because she's trying to auction off her virginity, and she it's gross a kid, weird. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, she's still um, she's a kid. Not, yeah, not eighteen. Still a minor. So, yep. Um, who's the worst person in this? Episode? Well, I said Abigail. I said Abigail for the virginity auction. <laughs> yep. I'm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm back to Perry. He's actually now threatening to kill people. I mean, okay. Perry yeah. Is yeah. Every episode. Let's get that mm-hmm. out of the way. Yeah. Um, best person in this episode. I said Jane. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole way she handles Ziggy's questions of sex and then doesn't lie to him when he calls her out. She he she talks about like a loving relationship with sex and he says, Is that how it went with you and my father? Mm-hmm. And she tries to lie and he calls her on it and she doesn't lie to him. And I mm-hmm. think that any parent, especially a young parent, mm-hmm. that is willing to address their child with honesty, even if the truth is really painful, is a very good parent. Mm-hmm. I said the therapist. That uh, you're the therapist. our therapist because in this episode, she just has her calm demeanor, her suggestions, her solutions, yeah. and then it's also paired with that sass when Celeste says, "Like you know, isn't this a little much? I think that mm-hmm. you're doing too much as a therapist." And she's like, "Well, you can report me to the Better Business Bureau. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the number." And the mm-hmm. therapist also uses the law against Celeste mm-hmm. in a way that is so effective and smart. And mm-hmm. she goes in the whole like, "You need to tell someone," and then pantomimes what Perry's mm-hmm. lawyer would do. And yep. you can see like she's realized that Celeste is a very like process oriented mm-hmm. person. And the fact that she's able to kind of like mm-hmm. use the law against Celeste, it's like Celeste can't. Back with I that. wish that every woman going through what Celeste is going through would have a therapist Ugh. like this. Mm-hmm. This uh, is just a, a how they just happen yeah. to find her, and that um, you know that she she also has a sweet couch. Like yeah, that green velvet couch is to die for. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, <laughs> absolutely. I said I also said that therapist, but I also think like Jane is the only one in this episode like modeling adult behavior yeah. where she's just like listen let's just talk about this like people. Jane got my runner up yeah not only did she you know mm-hmm. get you know you or someone you know is a victim yeah. of sexual like violence like a cat she also you get the help 24 hours a day by calling um, 1-800-656-HOPE into the worst category mm-hmm. and Jane always falls into the best and then right. it's like we can dig deeper from right there. but exactly. I think that across the board we can all agree that Perry is consistently the worst and Jane is consistently the best yeah mm-hmm. uh, so what's the best song in this episode Papa Rose of Rolling Stone. I agree. Yeah. I, I kept every episode I tried to avoid picking the song that I felt like the episode was really trying to like sell to you. Mm-hmm. But in this case, like that song, and that I think that song just has such a great, like the beat to yeah. it and everything. It, do, 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 mm-hmm. do, do, mm-hmm. do, do. It's good. It's got that suspense, but it's also got the upbeat. Yeah. And I do think that the, the musical choices are so strong that the, the song that they're trying to sell you is often the best sonic right. fit for the episode. Yeah. So, let's just turn this into one question this time. Who do you think is, the episode is trying to convince us, is dead slash the killer? So, 
at once I want to say like the closer we get it's always going to be Perry and Celeste mm -hmm. but I also think as closer we get like the motives are racking up mm -hmm. across the table so I think that we can easily say that everybody has implication but also if we're really getting down to it mm -hmm. Perry and Celeste is where all this tension is headed toward. Yeah. So for me with this episode uh, I I kind of feel like it could have been like Renata ending up dead and Madeline because being the killer because like it, she will be step up and meddling with her mama bear style mm -hmm. for Jane even though mm -hmm. and then it's like kind of this that Jane and Renata have sort of had this like they've made up mm -hmm. but now Madeline is gonna swoop in and be like no I'm gonna solve this problem let's get rid of yeah. Renata mm -hmm. so if you were gonna look at it from that angle there for me this episode kind of implied that that could be what happens I think um like, Celeste and Perry, again, are the obvious choices here, but I also think this episode is trying to convince us that now Harper is a candidate for being dead, even though we see her as a talking head. Like, that exchange between her and Jane, where Jane's like, who has your back? It's like, is that a weird threat that, like, Jane's coming yeah, after mm -hmm. Harper? What's happening? Or that, like, Jane tried to attack Harper and Jane ended up dead? Like, yeah. I think it's... Another one of these random one-off things where they're just trying to convince us there could be someone other than Perry and Celeste at this point. Um, so what's the most enviable property for this one? For me, it was uh, Bonnie and Nathan's mm -hmm. house. I don't like the inside. I know we've talked about this, but like that outside uh, for a, you know, garden dinner party setting, like... Oh, come on, the artisanal dinner yeah. with the oyster. I'm a big fan. The There's fish. this cookbook called The Forest Feast, which yeah. is like one of my favorite cookbooks. And uh, that house is like where I want to go and make everything in that cookbook mm -hmm. and have this like massive dinner party there. Yeah, I wrote down that I would murder everyone in the show for Bonnie and Nathan's yard. Like, right. I love the outside of this house so much. And I don't mind the inside of it in part because, like, the entire back of it seems to be glass and yeah. just looking out at Beautiful. this yard. Mm -hmm. And it's the only house that's remotely warm in mm. the show. And, um, but also Celeste's new apartment is pretty awesome. Like, yeah. like, for your apartment that you're fleeing to from your abusive husband, this is ridiculously nice. Like, oh, yeah. Beautiful Absolutely. ocean view. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you? Mm -hmm. No, I would agree. I think that mm -hmm. it was the dinner spread and the table. And I also, once Celeste gets this apartment, I'm like, you know, there's no nothing in it at this point. Mm -hmm. But the view, like, come on. Mm -hmm. Like, you are killing it. Yeah. Um, and with that, we're going to drink another glass of wine and move on to episode seven. If you or someone you know is a victim of sexual violence, you can get help 24 hours a day by calling 1-800-656-HOPE. 